to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and I'm joined today by uh, one of my best friends from high school who I was in broadcasting with. Uh, we did TV and radio together, and uh, it's always been a blast uh, talking to him about quirky, weird, hipster shit. And uh, I am excited to see him and talk to him about what he's what he uh, what he's up to and why he's why he does what he does. Uh, he went to DePaul. Uh, he's a film guy, and uh, yeah, we're gonna catch up, shoot the shit, and uh, hang out. So, Charlie Bialabak, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Ben. I feel like it's long overdue. I feel like you first asked me to do this podcast, like maybe three or four years ago and i keep ducking and dodging you yeah man you're you're um you're uh kind of uh leading me on you know you're like the girl that i really like that keeps saying we might work out <laughs> I, i'm just an elusive figure now i mean i haven't been on social media since 2018 i, I did a whole cleanse right after college because i just couldn't handle it anymore yeah uh, and since that, this might be my first public facing thing since I graduated college. Jeez, man. Well, I'm honored. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm Had to bust it out for the, <laughs> the OG, you know? Hey, dude. Well, man, uh, thank you for joining me today. Um, and um, it's really good to see you. Like we were saying before we started recording, it's been like at least like two or three years since I've seen you. Um, thanks to the uh, Blackout Wednesday at the fifth quarter in Homewood, Illinois gotta represent it's part it's of the culture, you know? yeah i know um well that's funny you say that that you know you're on a big social media cleanse because like we were talking right before we started uh also started like when we were kind of like building some rapport you were saying like how you're often like you do things like way before they were are socially recognized as like a, mm -hmm. a cool thing to do and uh, I remember like that social media cleanse thing. Um, do you remember when you did Charlie No Text? Oh I, yeah. Oh, I'd forgotten all about Charlie. Yeah. No. Like you did, you were doing those like social media cleanses like way before, you know, we were all adults and, uh, you know, it's scrolling, such, scrolling mindlessly and shit, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just such a destruct, like I didn't really realize how destructive it had been until I removed myself from it. And like, I still, I, I lurk, like I still have my accounts and I still follow mostly just people from high school now. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, we we're part of the first generation, I feel like that had uh, no option about whether or not we wanted social media. It was just something we were assumed to have. And yeah. we were so early on it, like that we didn't really think about what we were doing. So when I graduated college, I went, on my Facebook page, one post at a time from the beginning to the most current thing. And I de hand deleted everything, which yeah. was uh, so nourishing for the soul. I learned so much that I had forgotten about myself over that like decade of time. Yeah. And now I'm out on the other side and trying to piece together, like what is my personality without being online? Yeah, that's interesting. Cause yeah, I mean, for one, like I'm, I couldn't bear like digging into my Facebook and like, you know, uh, revisiting my horrible grammar and uh, rude and brash attitude I had in high school uh, towards things I didn't know or didn't understand. You know, like I, um, yeah, I mean, respect to you doing that. Cause like, yeah, I, I definitely, it kind of humbles myself when it's like, I look at like how I, like what my public profile used to be like, on social media versus how far I've come now and if you know you you grow and you mature and you clean up your act and stuff but it is still hyper competitive uh clout culture where oh. you 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 have to like um you know trying to prove yourself and and prove like how uh whether it's through social consciousness or whether it's through like uh lifestyle desirability or whatever the fuck like it's it's never enough once you have like a post does well it's like well now you gotta you know you, you have to think about 
what you're going to do next. Otherwise, you're not, it's not going to be relevant. You're not going to be relevant anymore. We're all, you know, private figures for the most part. I mean, like you've got this obviously, but like, but we're all trying to build brands. It's so strange to me. And but you do probably the best job of anyone I still follow in terms of like Ben Slowey online is what I feel like Ben Slowey is like in real life. And even oh, though we haven't talked in three years, I feel like yeah. I've still maintained our relationship on a one-sided end just because I continue to follow you. For sure. I appreciate that, Charlie. Because like also like, I think that's what people, that's what I I strive to do is keep like a universal demeanor where no matter what, whether it's like no matter what uh, social like network that uh, you're on or like what circle it is or, you know, who, no matter like who I'm interacting with, I'm trying to always be, you know, yeah, the same Ben. And uh, I think that if you can do that, then you're kind of like solving social media, if you will. For sure. Um, it also helps to sometimes, yeah, like rid yourself of that uh, pervasive pressure. So, you know, that that's, that clearly has been working for you. And uh, feel good about it. Yeah. Two sides of the, the coin, probably a little bit. Yeah, it is a lot of fucking energy, but um, anyway, uh, well, to start, Charlie, how are you? How, how's your day going today? My day is going pretty good. Let's see. Uh, all I've really had time to do is I took a shower and then I went out to Walmart and bought a microphone for this because I oh. needed the production value. Oh, I'm, dude, right on, man. <laughs> I, uh, I wasn't going to go halfway here, so I, I went dude, yeah. A little USB podcast mic. I wanted to, I was trying to set this up and I just didn't have the time or the patience or the energy, but I wanted three cameras so I could cut between them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Hey, we, we, we had some toys in high school with VTV, you know, we, and we, we definitely uh, like had fun with those toys for sure. Oh yeah. I can't believe the amount of stuff I was given as a high schooler that I was able to to use and learn on um, tremendous opportunities over at the VBC. Dude, right on. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Yeah. There was, there was some stuff that like, I don't think it was so like valuable, like that one, like mega cam that ski bought, it was like nine grand or something. Like, I don't know if we ever touched that because all of us were just so afraid to. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I was, I, I so for people who are listening who aren't aware of who me and Ben are or at least who I am Ben and I went to, I'll just take this for a second oh, me and Ben went to the same high school uh in Homewood Flossmoor and we graduated through the Viking Broadcast Company which is the um multimedia wing of the high school so uh I was station manager did you have a position by senior year honestly I I think that like Ski tried to appoint uh, everybody positions, but I think the only ones that ended up really mattering in the were, were like yours. And I think John was a manager of something, John Lavert. Yeah, he got uh, brought in as something middle of the year because we were like, we need John Lavert to have more power yeah. than John. Levert. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but yeah, you were um, you were. I think those were like the only positions that ended up really like mattering in the long. And I'm just gonna shout out Jason White and David Miller, who were oh, yeah, shout out to radio, uh, my radio counterparts, radio station managers. Oh yeah, uh, because they did. I mean, if I had to do both of those, I would have lost my mind, and yeah. I almost kind of did just doing the one. Um, but yeah. it was so every week we put out. It was a a 10 minute announcement show on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, and then on. Wednesdays we would do the entertainment show which was like a 50 minute block of um, long form segments and like our news news pieces and uh, whatever creative with more with more like interactivity than the standard news uh, newscast was yeah it? It we was like yeah 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 um, and so I was the station manager our senior year and Ben was sort of the I would say you were one of the front-facing people in the department. You were like the the one of the big anchors, and sure. obviously Anna Slowy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, uh, I, I definitely um, I specialized in the anchoring and sort of yeah, sort of that uh, character uh, acting and stuff like that. But I still 
lapsed a lot in the behind the scenes department, which I would learn later on, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and through that, we sort of cut our teeth and, and uh, rose through the ranks. I feel like that's where most of our friendship was based off of the fact that I, like we were both in the studio a lot. I would be there. I mean, we, they'd open it from like three to 10 every night and I would be there. I'd close I'd open and close for the most part. Um, yeah. Just learning different editing techniques and yeah. hosting radio shows and dropping in on people's radio shows. I wasn't yeah. hosting. Dude. Yeah. That was, that was a blast, man. I, yeah, well, so that was, it's interesting because, so you went the film route and mm-hmm. uh, I went, I ended up going the journalism route. Um, speaking of Damon, actually, he lives in Milwaukee as well. Oh. I've only seen him once uh, since in, in the seven years we've been here, but he actually doesn't, I don't think he lives too far from me. Um, I, yeah, I ended up like resonating a lot with um, sort of like, you know how we, so you and you, myself and uh, Jesse Eshelman and Shaw Didier, you know, shout out those boys. Shout out the boys. Uh, the fucking boys. Uh, so they, um, we all kind of collaborated on a, on a lot of skits that we would do uh, periodically, like literally just that would come almost like we would almost kind of like have a very like rough idea and just sort of improvise. And that's how Indiana Slowey became a big thing. <laughs> we, I mean, that was like, I, I still feel in a lot of ways that was like a creative I mean, it was just such a creative place and we were given such like literally free reign where it'd be like one teacher for the whole, the whole wing of the school. And we were able to rent out equipment and shoot and edit and they didn't check anything um, before like we started making it. So it was very wide open. We did a lot of fun stuff back then. We did. And it was an early manifestation of creative control. And, uh, you had started a YouTube channel where uh, we would store all these skits and it was called Laser Slap Productions. Is that uh, still up? I literally was just asking myself that. Let me pull it up on my mind. Because the reason I asked because so my roommate in college, Brock, um, I showed him, I should not have done this, but I showed him Indiana Slowey, uh, the studio of doom. Uh-huh. <laughs> He just started showing that to like all of our friends in college. So like, he would he would literally put that on in the middle of like parties and shit. And I get so mad at him, dude. Like That's... to embarrass me. <laughs> yeah. But it's classic, man. If it's still up there, I mean, it is. Yeah, I just looked eight years ago, forty five views. So it's wow. been doing really well. He's probably at least um, like thirty of those views. That's really good. Do you ever remember? I was thinking to prep like for this podcast, I started trying to remember everything I've ever done in my life because I, I was incredibly anxious about this. Um, but the set, do you remember the second one that we did? Which yeah, was your edition one. There was a second one. Yeah, yeah, I do. It was the one where Dodd was the villain. Um, and uh, I don't remember like the plot really, but I don't think it ever aired, did it? It did. It aired as a VTVE episode, and then Kevin Toolin and I think Dodd did a behind the scenes that was yeah. the second half of the episode. Okay, yeah, yeah, I do. So for a, a ten, like whatever it was, the fifty-minute VTVE episode, it was just Indiana slowing, and we were like <laughs> juniors or something. I re- I just remember how ridiculous that felt to me. Yeah, <laughs> we were literally in like an e-building classroom, like. <laughs> shooting scenes for this yeah we try to make it seem so like grandiose with like where you were being like interviewed like (laughs) with like the yeah like anyone would really care after they just watched (laughs) like kind of bad sketch comedy but like here's now a 20 minute documentary about how important this was right 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 yeah we were yeah i think um yeah we got some big heads from from doing those skits but but it was a ton of fun i mean that's what i look back at and we're like we were so fortunate and had an immense just immense privilege like how to how creative we were able to be with that technology i mean you like even just the laser palms skit we made where we were literally shooting multicolored lasers at each other in the hallway of e-building like having a battle and 
with you know with sound effects and everything and it's like dude how are we doing this we're literally like 16 years old dude i it's it's still some of the like most the hardest i've ever worked on stuff was for vtv i think and like because really all we were shooting like in camera was just us going pew 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 Pew, pew." yeah yeah and then i had to undertake like the go into after effects and photoshop and teach yeah. myself keyframes and yeah. technical like animate like computer animation at like a high school level where you know i think probably our our teachers at the time could have walked me through some of that stuff but i was like so gung-ho about it that i taught myself yeah. um, and then passed that knowledge on to like isaac arsenal and like yeah. that next generation of people yeah. so hopefully they could have continued to grow that program but i was doing maya and 3d objects at at a high school level stuff i didn't even learn in college like i remember you downloaded maya isn't that program like really expensive or something yeah ski got uh, a license we had a budget our senior year and he gave me a little bit of i wouldn't say it was control over but i had input into it so i we did maya and uh there's an animation program as well that we downloaded because, you know, I was hoping that we had a lot of really creative people at HF that weren't a part of the broadcasting program. And I thought like we had so many visual artists that like, if we could reach out and grab some of them in that we, it would just only help grow the program in ways that we didn't, couldn't even really uh, like think about. So Maya was part of that. And I can't remember the animation one. I tried to learn it. I, I, don't animate so yeah <laughs> well dude like we also had caleb thomas you know another uh, uh visual wizard um we already mentioned him but john lavert just like dude just the fact that he was in a netflix show and he's still yeah. uh, working you know, I mean, he's making music videos john lavert really has taken the ball and really run with it i we love you john yeah really fucking dude we we were we had such like uh, gifted individuals and to be able to collaborate in in like that massively immersive space where it literally felt like a playground before we talk about how all that sort of skyrocketed us into college and beyond charlie i want to actually take it back even further mm-hmm. because you and i we didn't meet until high school because we went to different middle schools yeah uh, so i didn't know you until we were like 14 15 but even before that. So I guess like, what was your early like interest in getting involved with like film and production and like, were you like readily um, interested in this kind of stuff when you first enrolled in broadcasting when you got to high school? For sure. When I was in, I think it was like second grade or something, I was given either for a birthday or Christmas, some gift giving celebration, I was given like a Star Wars box set, the whole, the really like with a, a, a whole disc of special features. Oh, nice. And I, as a second grader, I was like, I got to learn what special features are. Those sound awesome. So it came with like a two hour documentary about the making of the first Star Wars trilogy. And I was like, that's really interesting. That's like awesome to, to see. And then uh, it also had commentary tracks on it. And I was like, what are, what, I don't even, I'm in second grade. I can barely even read what this is. Let me turn that on. Yeah. And, from then on, I mean, I've seen, I, every time I watch a movie, I would watch it with the commentary track okay. to the point where like, there are some movies I've only seen with commentary because I was oh. not interested in the movie, but I was <laughs> yeah. far more interested in learning about how they made them. So yeah, it's been with me my whole life. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, I- That's I, how I watched the Goonies. Like I used to love the Goonies commentary um with the whole cast as adults like i couldn't watch i couldn't watch the regular movie anymore because i just loved hearing you know sean astin and Corey feldman talking about being goofy ass kids in oregon you know (laughs) And, and and now like i mean with podcasts that's essentially the same thing a lot of times with movie podcasts um and uh yeah, dude, I, I just love them. I, another shout out, the Night at the Museum audio commentary is the one I always go back to. It's the screenwriters, uh, Tom Lennon and Ben Garant, 
who are part of like a bunch of different like wet hot american summer they did and a bunch oh, of okay. different sure. uh scripts and they're screenwriters for hire essentially so they do a bunch of really weird movies but they're it's so funny they talk about the the research they did and they just make up facts the whole time they're watching the movie it's it's a good time oh yeah okay shit with uh ben stiller that yeah that, he, he's not on that commentary track but he's it's that movie that movie's good too oh, man. it's there's merit to uh revisiting movies that you watch as a kid now you gotta watch it as an adult to notice the things you didn't notice before yeah um definitely so okay it has that because the oh man I, I don't know the egyptian prince in it or the, the the mummy who is brought to life by the museum oh right, right. Rami malik and when you watch it you're like oh my god you're yeah. like why now so sophomore year you know we made we made the uh, infamous doc uh the 55 minute doc production um and uh, that's also when you made the Vampire Weekend music video to the Bruce Springsteen song, I'm Going Down. Fun <laughs> fact, fun fact, I saw Vampire Weekend when they were in Milwaukee. It was two years ago now. They played that cover. Hey, there you go. Yeah. That's a, yeah. That's a great cover. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was solid. Um, yeah. What was your, uh, what'd you do the doc on? I did mine on the SOPA and PIPA laws of 2012, which were the, um, it was that wave, which was kind of an earlier wave of the like online privacy, IP theft, like actions that if it, they were broadened out could have like ruined the internet. We saw those come back a couple years ago in uh, zombie Frankenstein forms, but I was an earlier version of that. Okay, sure. Um... Yeah. Uh, what was yours on? I... Fast food. Oh, nice. Fast, it was on, yeah, fast food. And because, uh, you know, you know how, like, when we were warned about that, that uh, project and, uh, like, Comstock literally warned us that, like, this is going to weed out some of you. And, um, mm -hmm. and it did. And uh, um, there are some people that sat in the whole class, the class that whole semester and just didn't do any, like, just ended up did not do it. And it's like... Yeah like that was one of the earliest uh instances where i feel like i truly had to like apply myself because like i was very very lazy in school like i i i think because that was around the time like retrospectively you know like definitely like i had some mental health shit going on that i wasn't addressing and uh, i just like didn't care but but that was like not only was it telling me like I need to care or else like this isn't going to get done, but it was also giving me reasons to care, you know, because like, it's like, you can literally, it's so seamless. So I'm, I'm really like grateful that we had that project to do because yeah, that was also sort of like when a lot of us in the program started getting closer because we would spend long days in the studio mm -hmm. and uh, bond over like, how we're navigating all this shit so yeah. then that, um, yeah that's all a testament to bob comstock who was our teacher for that semester and the radio documentary at large he was i mean he's he's like one of the most gifted teachers i've ever had in terms of like instilling value in students and making sure that they are like properly prepared for what life becomes after high school you know right. i feel like as much as I learned about production in like the WHFH hallways, I learned just as much about life from Bob Comstock. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, that doc process was, I've actually been thinking a lot recently about going back and redoing a 55 minute radio doc. Yeah. Just to like, because over the last year, I haven't done a ton creatively. I've written a couple sure. things that I'm vaguely proud of, but I really want to like, I need to like jumpstart that engine. And I'm like, oh, 55 minute radio documentary. You can't play around with that. Like that you got, it'll have to be good. So. Yeah, dude, I know. Right. Like where and it was the early form of like, yeah, the storytelling and the time budgeting and uh, okay. And like the guest selection, like who are the appropriate people to talk to um, and and then in the music video, like that taught us about casting and location and um, all these different factors that, you know, apply to 
you know, our various uh, creative production uh, techniques that we that you and I clearly have still done. And uh, with the music video, the the really interesting thing is that like we were we weren't given a crew to do it. It was just every person in the classroom had to do a music video. So it's like, you know, I think back to college and in college they would, you'd get assigned a project like that and then be given three or four other students who would have like set tasks for yeah. that project where like one person would be the editor, one would be like producing, the other person would just write the screenplay or whatever. Yeah, right. And for the, the music video, it was like, take this camera and go do it by yourself, figure right. out, every aspect of it you're an auteur now and <laughs> like so much more pressure and freedom in yeah. a project like that and I, I i genuinely don't know how students like we did it and i don't understand how students now are expected to do it it's yeah. um it's a lot to ask of students but they always step up i found yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. Like we learned a lot of self-discipline pretty early on. And uh, and I think it also helped because our teacher, you know, Ski and Comstock um, both like were pretty good about like sort of the check-in process where every week when we had class, like we'd kind of like have like a checkpoints of like, okay, did you have this, this, and this done this week? What do you, where are you still at? Like what problems are you running into? How can you avert conflicts going on right now? You also, I remember you did a project and this was, this was incredible, Charlie, like how you, you did that uh, one, like, wasn't it like a rotoscoping thing with like, uh, with, all, with all the Dodds where Matt Moss was in the classroom. Oh, yeah, there were so yeah, many yeah. different, there were all the different ones of him, like in one shot. Like when we first saw that, we were like, wow, we <laughs> like, yeah, that this was, is crazy <laughs> that was that was my first experience with rotoscoping too that was all done in final cut which was just an eight point yeah. editor and nowadays like if i do that kind of stuff i use after effects and you can have as many points as possible so i yeah. remember trying to like really oh that was a that was a mess that took me like two weeks to do yeah. um yeah that was oh, i forgot all about that that's a great project yeah it was just I forget what it even was about, but I know I just, it was a lot of one person in one scene crossing yeah. over with each other and like passing different parts of the frame. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. I had a great time back then. I was, I was just flexing on people, you know? Yeah. No, we, that was a big Charlie flex, uh, an early Charlie flex. Um, he was like, get out of my way. I'm editing. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, I used to kick people out of computer. I had one computer that was just known to be mine. And oh, like yeah, yeah, other yeah, people yeah. couldn't use it because I needed it after school. So if you started a project on there, I'd be like, you got to get out. Like I need this. It's the only one with, you know, yeah. X, Y, and Z programs that I need. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was sort of like a territorial thing at some point. <laughs> so yeah, we, we did the laser slap stuff together as we got older. Um, like junior and senior we also remember we did two weeks grizzly bear yeah i was looking because i've got the laser slap page still pulled up i was looking at what else was on there and you're yeah. on there a lot but uh the two weeks video is definitely still up yeah was, man. Uh, i feel like we started that maybe in high school but we didn't i didn't finish cutting that until after yeah we i think it was like i think no we actually we filmed it the, our freshman years of college and mm -hmm. we got back together on like our winter break to film that and then yeah we went we spent a day in Chicago just to do that and then um but we all had school so you know yeah. I don't I, I think it it didn't come out until a little later on but like we just we needed one last hurrah before our lives would really take off in school and we did it to one of our favorite songs and uh, yeah, that was it was it was a nice little kind of check in with like, you know, my friends from home and like where I came from. Um, so, Charlie, what made you um, choose to Paul? So um, there were a couple things. F firstly, it was really close to home and I wasn't prepared um, at that time to like leave that far away because I a I'm a Chicago kid in my soul. Um, and B, I just like wanted to be close to family in case anything happened. Um, and two, it, they had just started their digital cinema program 
which was advertised as like the continuation of what VTV was kind of like, where they had a big equipment hall where you could rent out whatever you needed, that they gave access to freshmen. Most film schools throughout the country, especially like the, the, um, the ones at that kind of level, especially like your USC's, your NYU's, your like, you know, this, the prestigious yeah. institutions and halls yeah, yeah, of yeah. filmmaking. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't let you till you're like a junior or senior shoot um, with, um, with school s- stuff. And uh, most of that stuff that you would film before that was on film. And I, I definitely love film. I understand why you should shoot on like the, like a hard medium. I think that's, there's a lot of good skill there, but we don't make stuff on film that much anymore. There's like five guys in the world who are given that budget because it's more expensive and it's just less practical. So I, I saw it as you got to learn digital now because that's what, where we're at. Yeah. Um, so I went to DePaul primarily for those reasons. And then also I thought, you know, I was either going to be LA, New York or Chicago for me. Yeah. Um, and I applied to USC and NYU and, uh, they're just so expensive and DePaul gave me a lot of money (laughs) it's like the decision kind of got made for me and I'm so glad with DePaul I had a great time there those four years I learned just as much and was given just as much freedom to do stuff yeah Um, DePaul also has two well when I was there by the time I left they had two studio spaces in Cinespace which is the lot in Chicago where they film Chicago Fire and PD and they shoot all anything all the big productions that come through chicago that do studio work pass yeah. through cinespace and we had um for most of my time there we had one studio and then by the time i left we had two and they were practical studios with live sets that you could work on and you could rent it out just like we rented out equipment um so i worked i mean i worked all the time in college on student projects on commercial projects yeah. um and cut my teeth on the like the, the further production side of film. Oh, sure. Okay. And that was gotcha. all through what DePaul had to offer that a lot of the other schools didn't. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, um, you didn't, um, you didn't look at uh, Columbia or anything? I, I went to a, a visitation at Columbia and Columbia had good stuff, but they also were a little gatekeepery about like when you could do stuff. And I know that that's because the program wanted to make sure that you had the proper foundational education to be given the privilege of using that stuff. But I knew that I already had that foundation. So I didn't want to go to school for a year learning what I already knew and then also not being able to make stuff in my spare time. So I, DePaul was just the perfect place where it would take what I already knew and help me continue to build on it rather than, um, you know, be driving down the road already and then have to turn around go back and then drive back the way i just came from you know yeah yeah it's a lot of yeah like backtracking and yeah like right no i i I know what you mean and i i totally feel that um so so in in your kind of in your run in school um did you enter school like having an idea of like wanting to do a specific thing or was it more generalized? So I graduated with a degree in production and a minor in screenwriting. Okay. Um, And when I went to school, I thought, like I think a lot of people when they go to film school think, I was like, I wanna be a director. I wanna be behind the camera. I wanna be the auteur. I wanna make everything myself. And um, pretty early on, I learned that like, there is a lot more to a properly run film set than just being a guy with a good idea. Um, And the way that I make stuff, which was like the high school version of the run and gun, like one man army, I'm I'm directing and I'm holding the boom pole is not um, super conducive to the ideas I have anymore. So I started focusing my junior and senior year more on the screenwriting side and then to stay on set and to stay like loose, I do lighting um, for commercial and all that kind of like stuff. gaffing. Uh, yeah, gaffing, Best Boy Electric, all that yeah, okay. good stuff. Um, so I worked a lot in studio spaces as a lighting 
person because that those crews are blue collar and just like really good the best people on a film crew are going to be in the lighting department um because they they'll tell you how it is they don't have like the sort of highfalutin notions about like what art is they can like get down to the bare bones and be like okay we got to put a c stand over there you know oh, yeah sure okay cool so yeah so I made a bunch of stuff, uh, which was great because it kept me on set. Whereas if I was just a screenwriter, and I know a bunch of screenwriters from that program, they, you know, they sat on their computer and they wrote their screenplays and they, some of them got made and some of them didn't. But like, what was so great for me is, is I would write my screenplays and then I would go and either make them with friends or I would go and make my friends stuff and we would all get together and I'd be physically on set working on the movies and feeling like I'm a part of that big collective work ethic you know yeah 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 sure um where you're allowed to work independently but also collaboratively uh juxtaposed um, yeah and that way i didn't have to go to networking events because i yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah dude that shit gets old really fast because yeah. it's all <laughs> the same people after a while and you're like we're just yeah. You want to hang out? We could just, right. hang out. we don't have to call it something. We can just like go get a beer, man. Like <laughs> meet in the library every Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlie, are you a coffee drinker? Uh, I, I am not the kind of coffee drinker I will be in like a month. I'm about to start running the Starbucks inside of my Target. That's like a promotion that just kind of is getting worked out at. Um, so I'm going to become a big coffee snob soon. Jeez. <laughs> well, good luck. Yeah, uh, I think I, it's the last uh, part of my personality that I needed was coffee snobbery. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think I get the bingo now. Yes. Um, right. Well, yeah, no, I, I used to work at Starbucks. Uh, I worked at the Marquette Starbucks. And because of that experience, like, I can't drink espresso anymore because... It's just so potent. It, it just makes me want to explode, man. So oh, yeah. go easy on that. Stuff. Okay. But uh, hey, I'll I'll take it from the expert. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, now I just drink drip uh, that I make in my kitchen here. Sure. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. Um, did you have like a senior thesis sort of thing, sort of situation in DePaul? Yes. College, I made a lot of short films. Um, so they start to bleed together. And I can't remember what was for what class and what was not. Yeah. Um, it was probably a feature script that I had to write. And in my head, it's the George Lucas one, mm -hmm. which was, uh, I wrote a Shakespearean biopic, like a, a biopic in iambic pentameter about the life of George Lucas, where different uh, Greek muses were narrators and uh, there were a lot of soliloquies and like stuff like said directly to camera all about the making of Star Wars and um, the way that George Lucas started as like a studio filmmaker and then eventually got all the power to become like a fully independent filmmaker on the level of a studio and how that transitioned from being like the indie guy in the studio world to the the top guy in the indie world was like sort of the Luke Skywalker becoming Darth Vader. There's a lot, I was working with a lot of stuff. It is a unreadable script. A lot of parallels, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's unreadable. It's just like, I think it's a lot of good stuff, but I'd, I'd have to rework it forever. And then yeah. I get, it's just too nerdy, you know? Hey, hey man, fandom is, uh, the shit that you think is nerdy and readable is probably, uh, very worthy of critique uh, for a lot of people. It really sounds like you have a very like broad array of, of like cinema influences because like you're talking about, um, you know, some of the more like Hollywood oriented stuff, but you're also talking about like some art house stuff too. So, so it seems like you're kind of marrying the two. Yeah, I live in between those two worlds. I think my sensibility, I, I get stuck a lot because I don't know where I find where I personally subscribe to. I love Steven Spielberg movies, but I also love a Joe Swanberg mumblecore movie. Oh and yeah. 
I think that there, I, I'm so desperate to find a place where those two things can exist simultaneously and they so infrequently can, yeah. I found. Um, but it's, it's been, I mean, I just love watching movies and those, so I got, I have a really broad taste because I like watching everything. And I think there's value in all of it, you know? I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, I've gotten pretty into Dave Cronenberg. Oh, sure. Yeah, man. I yeah. I love the splatter horror and shit like that from like the eighties. I'm, also- I'm about to go through all of John Carpenter in order. Oh, right on. Yeah. Well, I found that's super valuable. If you pick a director that you like and then go through their earliest stuff to their later stuff and just yeah. cast back their career. I did that with um podcasts I listened to, Blink Check, um, oh. which is a great movie podcast. Mm-hmm. I just did it with Elaine May, who's like the fourth ever female director let into the guild um mm. a really funny woman she was in Nichols and may which is a comedy duo dating back to like the 60s and uh her movies are fantastic and i was like i never would have even thought to watch some of these um, yeah. but watching her career from start to end has been fascinating dude that's awesome that's super cool I, yeah i because i would do that a lot with discographies with like you know music i'm exploring but i started getting in the habit of doing that more with films as well and uh there's so much merit to like um yeah just kind of like uh observing the evolution and uh, like i did that with wes anderson i did that with uh i that said though i i did not like bottle rocket i couldn't get into it but i think that was the only wes anderson film i didn't care for it's the the most normal which is <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that one has like human emotion and you're like oh, <laughs> right. I don't know about if you can do that yeah no, it, was, it was weird taste man it was a weird taste in my mouth uh, <laughs> but yeah. uh I mean, he was like one of my early high school guys yeah um and someone i've completely moved away from now where i'm like i i don't know if i've liked these at all like they're very tonally interesting to me but i don't know if i vibe with them anymore he is definitely like a film student's like favorite like when you first enter film school like i remember like i took a couple film classes at uwm because uwm also has a has a prestigious film school and um we all like had to like go around into our discussion uh classes like what at the beginning of the semester like who basically who are you what's your favorite movie and i think that like they were like 10 kids that said Grand Budapest Hotel because it just came out. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> it, everyone's favorite movie in film school is like the most recent Best Picture nominee that they've yeah, seen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 It's a pretty indie movie. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of how you are with music where it's like you go in and out of having like phases of being really into it. That's sort of how I am with film where yeah. like I watch a lot of films in like a short period of time and then I'll go a couple of weeks without watching any. Um, like I watched all the movies from 2020 that I really wanted to see, that I wanted to see. Then yeah, like I'll go a while without it. Uh, I haven't seen pretty much anything from 2020. I, when the, the shutdowns happened and you couldn't go to theaters anymore, I was like, I don't want, I, the theater experience is so vital to me. I don't want, I have such, I'm holding out hope that when everything reopens and we get back to a place of normal, that the repertory theaters, the little tiny places throughout the country will start re-showing the stuff that we all missed out the chance to watch. And I so badly hope that I can see some of that stuff in person with an audience for the first time. So I've been spending all of my quarantine watching movies from like the 50s and the 40s i'm like going through and filling in gaps that i just like missed like i'd never seen the philadelphia story which is like like 10 out of 10 best one of the best movies i've ever seen which is not just not a hot take by any means but like it is incredible to me that like that is not a more talked about movie and that we just are like expected to not watch it like it's must see tv for sure okay yeah I'm really bad about keeping up with uh, like old movies, like pre 1960s. I'm really bad about. Uh, they're impossible to watch. They are. Yeah. They're different than anything we watch nowadays. They just right. Have- well, yeah. Like I grew up. I mean, aside from like 
grew up, I grew up watching the Marx Brothers and Laurel and Hardy and like Three Stooges, you know, the, yeah. the comedy that my dad raised me with. But other than that, yeah, it's like that's some stuff I'd really have to set Tom aside for. Like, I've never seen Citizen Kane. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, there's a there's a big inside joke me and Shaw have where he um, thinks that Citizen Kane is a very bad movie. Huh. Okay. And anytime Citizen Kane comes up in any context, he will um, scream and yell and tell me how bad it is, and uh, I will have to suppress my fury because I think that Citizen Kane has the reputation it has because it's a good movie and it's very watchable. It's like incredible how that movie is like so old and still so good. And the and um, Orson Welles was like 22 when he made it. So I just think constantly about like, as I'm like, if I were to graduate college, could I ever have dreamed of like taking down one of the biggest um, uh, publishers in all of like history like would i go after someone like that so politically and so publicly and it's just i mean there's yeah. that movie works on every level it's a really okay good i don't okay. want to talk too much about citizen Kane. Yeah. <laughs> who needs to hear more about why it's good but it's very good well if shaw watches this he's probably uh screeching into the void right now i'm sure my phone will light up the second yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah okay yeah i I owe him a lot of money right now too. Oh, damn. well, depending on when when will this come out? Uh, probably not till June. Okay, gotcha. Um, me and him have a huge bet right now about. I think the Phoenix Suns are a bad basketball team, and they probably shouldn't uh, be considered a good one because they're the Phoenix Suns, and they've always been bad. And I don't think a bad team can get any better. And he uh, thinks that they're pretty good now. So every round of the playoffs they make i have i owe him subsequently more and more money so if by the time this comes out if they've won the finals know that i am deeply in debt to sean didier at this point it's just pooling it's just pooling and i'm i'm just crossing my fingers that chris paul doesn't have it anymore oh wow okay well uh i don't want um you know the repo man uh to come after me they might he might take my car who knows might you might uh get thrown out of where you're sitting right now (laughs) (laughs) it's one of those things where i'm sure you've been confronted with too where it's just there's so much that is like accessible and out there just at our fingertips where like you don't always know where to start and that's how i felt like when i was like um like my roommates in college like we all liked a lot of we liked films so we watched a lot of movies together like we watched like a lot of old horror classics together like Rosemary's Baby, Apocalypse Now. That, that was really fun. But over time, like, by the time I was, like, at leaving college, I was like, there are so many fucking movies that I have not fucking seen. And there are so many directors that I really have, like, ba- barely scratched the surface. And one of my first directors I attached to was uh, David Lynch. Mm. Um, are you a Twin Peaks guy? I am not. I've stayed away. I'm sure I will be. I just haven't ever found the the right set of circumstances to get sure. me, you know? Yeah. Fair yeah, fair enough. It's it is uh some it's a very cerebral watch, um, as you've you're probably well aware. But uh I got very into Harmony Corinne and Larry Clark uh, for okay. a while. Yeah. Um Bully is probably my favorite. Yeah. A really fucked up movie oh for sure harmony corinne is like just out there <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah well i got really i was on a phase of like really enjoying movies really just diving into movies about troubled youth sure um that just that is as a- some as someone who felt perpetually misunderstood i mean obviously a lot of those movies are just very exaggerated circumstances but you know you're you just connect a lot with like what those what a kid in dealing with some fucked up shit like you just like empathize so much with like what they're going through and shit like that uh i, I still have a really hefty uh film list um but I, i've i've got a list a mile long of stuff i i haven't watched and 
just the endless scroll that we do in like Netflix and Hulu where you're just like I I don't know what I want to watch and there is an infinite number of choices on an infinitely larger and growing set of platforms it's like I don't know just give I've actually found myself watching tv a lot now because I'm just like tell me what to watch I'm done making choices the last yeah no I'm that's another thing. I didn't even get into TV really until the last couple of years. Um, yeah, the last couple of movies I did watch, I watched Sofia Coppola's movies. Um, not all. I watched The Virgin Suicides and Lost in Translation. Um, Several good classics, the good ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, also watched Aaron Brockovich. I had never seen that. Nice. I caught the end of that on cable the other day. Right on. Nice. Yeah. Solid, solid watch. But right now, yeah, I especially during quarantine, I've been trying to get into a lot more comedy because yeah, I'm just without it, like with everything, how just awful and uh, visceral so much of this past year has been, um, I've just needed to smile and laugh more. So I watched Arrested Development, Community, Silicon Valley, and Atlanta, and now I'm finishing Broad City. Nice. Solid TV choices for sure. Yeah, I I watched The Trial of the Chicago 7 the day after the verdict came out uh, for the and that was like the wrong day. <laughs> Just yeah. the wrong day to watch that one. I was yeah. so mad at the system. I have been mad at the system. Yeah. I think we all have been. But I, that that movie with that particular space in pop culture, I was just like, oh, yeah, it was a really good movie. Great I watched movie. it. Yeah. yeah, really good. That whole story, all that 68 stuff is so poignant, I think, right now yeah. in terms of like where we are. Right, because yeah. it's so um, cyclical, you know, yeah, a lot yeah, of the conversation. So much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that was like, you know, what, like 50 years ago. And uh, so much of that is still so unsolved, you know, grown a lot more politically radicalized over the years. Like I, now it's something that like, I, it's just something like now I can't unsee. Sure. You know, like when I'm watching, especially old movies, like that were made in like the seventies and eighties, you know? It's so much more um, obvious back then, but like even watching like Marvel movies today, you're like, oh, you're part of the military industrial complex and you are advocating for them in front of my very eyes. And I didn't realize that until, you know, looking back two or three years later and being able to see what they're telling you, what kind of tricks they're pulling. It's very interesting. There's a lot yeah, yeah. of uh, unpacking. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Yeah. There's um, it's quite a bit of discourse about that on Twitter. Um, yeah. Definitely. Which I highly encourage no name is a good person to, to follow sure. on Twitter for sure. Sure. Um, so. I will say this just because who knows who watches this. I love Marvel. I'll work for them in a heartbeat. Just gotta, just gotta put that out there. Yeah. They, they're hiring. Yeah. Right. You know, they got the money and that's uh, sometimes it, you know, <laughs> there's no, well, there's no ethical consumption or labor selection under capitalism. No. You know, like, you, we that's that's the whole that's the whole idea you know oh, we, get you. yeah right 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 exactly so so go reeling this back in um what happened after school like uh how would you uh continue sustaining your career so i after school well right before i graduated i did an internship in los angeles with funny or die which is uh online media company will ferrell is sort of the figurehead of it between two ferns is part of that yeah yeah they did a couple episodes of between two ferns when i was there they did uh jerry seinfeld and cardi b (laughs) like the two big episodes the will ferrell one is the funniest one (laughs) they're all really good Uh, (laughs) but i but talk about two more separate kinds of people to do an interview with than Jerry Seinfeld, who when he was there, everyone was like, you know, the the comedy guy. Yeah. And right. Cardi B, who rolled in with like a posse of like 15 people, yeah. um, parked all over the place and just like, oh, I dope. mean, they had to like scrub the 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 odors of various whatever out of oh, the, sure. the building. It was Damn. Very, wow. Yeah. Okay. Very, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
but then while I was working there, I, I was a writer's assistant on a couple pilots and a research assistant for some really cool projects like uh, the Royal Wedding was happening that year. So I worked on a couple different things for that, for um, Will Ferrell and that kind of stuff during that. I did like the Billy on the Street UK episode I worked on a little bit and some really cool projects, but ultimately they weren't hiring. So I came back. And then I've just been, I saved a bunch of money, went back out to LA, started to get some buzz about some freelance work. And then the entire world collapsed and the pandemic hit and all those shoots fell apart. So I've been sort of like start stopping for a little while. Um, and now that we're kind of heading out at the end of this, I'm looking to get back into it and start making my, working in the commercial world and doing um, what needs to get done. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, that's a good, uh, that's some good uh, optimism, um, yeah. creative optimism. And, you know, and I know you've stayed, you know, you've done a little, some stuff uh, here and there, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I've done a couple different commercials um, and then I've been staying afloat by doing some graphics work for like Twitch overlays and stuff. A lot of people have gotten into streaming that I know and yeah. for, you know, it's not like, anything huge but it's been fun to just like flex the old photoshop and after effects muscles and make yeah. little animations for people for their subscribers and it's gotten me into the world of twitch which has been really interesting right yeah dude yeah i'm still not on twitch but the music blog that i write for uh we have a twitch channel that has like all of our content uh going throughout the day slash week and yeah it's i mean I don't, I don't game, like I'm not a gamer right now. I know it's really big in the gaming world, but um, yes, yeah, another thing, another app to download. I can't do it yet. <laughs> yeah, it took me a long time to even understand how it worked. Yeah. Uh, but slowly and surely I'm getting into it and I'm finding it to be uh, really like creatively interesting. I, if I make a comeback to being online, it will probably be through Twitch. Cool. Um, just because I've always really loved video games, I hosted the Power Up Hour on WHS. Yes, you did. Yeah, which was like a three-hour-long radio broadcast weekly. But was that with uh, Kyle Lizio? Kyle Lizio, exactly. Yeah. Shout out to that man who uh, was not attending our high school for the majority of the time. No, he wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But he would come for the show. He would come in through for the show and just like. If anyone yeah. asked, we just wouldn't tell them because we didn't know whether or not he was supposed to be there. Yeah. Um, I tried so, so hard to get us to win um, radio show of the year for the, the broadcasting awards that our senior year. Cause I was like, it would be so funny if Kyle had to go to the event, get a ticket, sit down and then make a speech at the end. I thought it'd be so funny. Because yeah, like, I wouldn't go up. Go here. Yeah. We were, I was desperate to make that happen. I, it was the only of those camp, like campaigns or whatever that I ever like yeah. put my foot on the scale for. I was like, I think we could get it by. And also we ran a good radio show. We had like segments and transitions. I had a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. I remember, I think I tuned in one time. You were talking about like some logo getting changed or something. <laughs> like, you know, a long time to fill, but we yeah. were fine. Right. Well, yeah, you, you got, um, you, you definitely, uh, uh, had a lot of, uh, analytics to that show and, uh, yeah, yeah uh, man, I mean, it was fun. I did a lot of research for that. That was like, um, yeah. that was probably the heart, the hardest I ever worked on a radio thing was for that's, that. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Um, well, it's a passion project Yeah. in that way. And, um, man, if I would have, if dude, if I was doing an indie hour, uh, now, like oh, oh yeah. god what i could play on on whfh dude like yeah you'd be melting faces it would be like dude. like that part in uh, back to the future where Mar marty mcfly's like you you don't you're not gonna get it but your kids are gonna love it and yeah <laughs> have you looked at atlanta at all i know that atlanta is like a big buzz film city now i've looked um i mean everything shoots in atlanta they're really kind of the new vancouver in terms yeah, yeah. of like where stuff shoots um I, I don't have a ton of contacts out there yet. And I found that it's really important when you move to a place to make sure that you are well connected before you get there. 
Mm -hmm. um so i'm a little i really I, I probably won't be looking to move anywhere within the next like year or so and i love chicago so much and there's such a good scene here um that i i think i'll probably be rooted in chicago for the foreseeable future um yeah there's a ton to make still so that's yeah. always good yeah dude right on man well that sounds awesome charlie it sounds like you you you're very like um self-aware and uh, like through you know your early inception in the industry but also the things you taught yourself early on that a lot of people don't uh really grasp like the the virtues of until maybe a bit later has i feel like molded you into a really like bona fide creative and uh it's really awesome that uh you know you're you're um you know you're I know you're you're taking some time doing some retail uh shit right now. Uh you're you're kind of in a, a bit of a as many people are, as many I'm, most people are in a bit of a creative hibernation since mm -hmm. COVID. But, I mean, just who wants to make stuff right now? You know, there's so much else to be doing and to be working on and to, to all that. It's hard, especially for me to write in like a state of despair. Yeah. And I don't know if I've felt creatively at like let's go you know right dude yeah like i'm lucky that i have a medium where that's been able to keep me busy during um during covid but for a while for like the first like four or five months of quarantine i just couldn't i had no drive or motivation to do this sure like, i for one i mean early on into quarantine like was were the George Floyd uprisings? There was Breonna Taylor. Like it, there were more important things going on, and like um, it, it's definitely been like an odyssey. And no one has navigated per it perfectly, but I am just grateful that for um, you know having come out of this uh, healthy and still you know still housed. Those yeah. are those are privileges right now, and. Uh, and I'm really grateful that I've been able to connect with friends and family doing something like this. And I'm yeah. glad, dude, I'm just so glad we could reconnect. Like, this yeah, awesome. it's been, it's been a blast, man. I, uh, it's been a way too long. I feel like, yeah. you know? dude, I know I, I should be back down there, uh, sporadically. I mean, uh, now that it's getting a bit safer too in the next couple of months, I'll definitely be down in Chicago. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to, uh, get one of those, uh, uh, cold beers if you will sure i'll go for a brewski <laughs> also if you want to come up to milwaukee sometime yeah man uh be careful i'll take you up on that i hey glaris up there right yes we have new glaris um as well as many other fine craft breweries in sure. Milwaukee. but uh maybe that'll give an ex excuse to go see our old friend damon yeah i got a hit of damon yeah he's, he's still here that's fine. So, yeah. So, uh, on our way out, I ask everyone the same two questions. Uh, Charlie, the first question is what keeps you up at night? <clears throat> what keeps me up at night? Let's see. Mostly my insomnia. I've had terrible insomnia since I was in high school. It's why I was able to do VTV the way I could. Yeah. yeah. Um, but mostly ideas, man. I, I fall asleep all the time in the middle of like having a crazy like creative output where i'm like what if a superman movie was focused on clark kent and only clark kent and then <laughs> and i pass out i fall asleep and i wake up and i go that was a good one i gotta write that down dude yeah it's so funny like i feel that dude like do you do you jot down uh these sort of um fragmented ideas i've got a, a notes page in my phone of just like a thousand just random sentences where i'm like that would be a cool thing of yeah. yeah yeah same i i have something like that i also started keeping a dream journal Ooh. um i've been looking into it i haven't gotten there yet yeah man when i wake up i'm a little too like upset about being awake to <laughs> be like now i'm gonna write about what i was dreaming about yeah yeah well i would always like you know it's always that phenomenon of forgetting your dream like as you wake more and more up so it's sort of my uh it's been soul nourishing right. um 
Yeah. So the second question is what puts you to sleep? Puts me to sleep. The melatonin. Oh yeah. That's good. If we're going to go literal. Yeah. Uh, more specifically, though, I have an idea for a Fantastic Four movie, and that literally I will think about it for 15 minutes and go right to sleep. It is the most boring idea I've ever had for a movie in my life. Are you bringing Michael Chiklis back? I would. I would love to bring Chiklis back. <laughs> That's funny. That's awesome. Well, uh, I'm glad that you're um, the enrichment of your Fantastic Four idea uh, puts you to sleep. Thanks for being on the show, Charlie. This yeah, man, it was a blast. Thank you for having me. I'm glad we finally got around to it. Yeah, me too. Me too. We're definitely hope to see you soon. Yeah, uh, let me know if you're ever in the city. We'll, we'll hang out. Yes, let's do that. For everyone watching, uh, hope you enjoyed this. Um, you know, uh, I think that if there's any takeaways, it's that for one, shout out to the VBC. Shout out to HF's wonderful broadcast program, VTV, WHFH, you know, like, grateful reminded every, like all the time like why like just how amazing it was that we were able to be a part of that and uh for us, mr nice guy we'll see you next time